and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. The War Over Your Mind, Part 2, Battling Fear. And look at that, Part 2, right behind me. Part 2. How many have ever battled fear? Raise your hand, come on. If you're human, you have battled fear. Let's just get that straight right now. If you're human, you have battled fear. You may be a young person here this morning, and you may be thinking, but I've never seen my mom or dad scared, especially my dad. I've never seen them back down, or I've never seen them scared. I can assure you, they have trembled in their shoes at one time or another. And maybe it was when they met your mom, or maybe when they got in trouble by your mom. They trembled in their boots. Amen? But all of us have faced a time or two where we have given in to fear. And as we move closer to the end of the year, I want to remind you that we want to close this year out with victory. Amen? We want to close it out with victory and march into a new year, 2019. Say that with me, 2019. I can't, I mean, just to ring, say that off and run it off my lips just amazes me that we're entering 2000, star day 2019, right? It's just incredible. But here's what we, what we learned last week. In order to do that, to, to, to have the, the victory over the war in our mind, we must first transform our minds to think the way God thinks. See, the Bible says our ways are not his ways. We must adopt his thoughts for today rather than our own. And here's, what, here's the point, the gist of this message. I'm convinced that, that the greatest coming war isn't really taking place here on our soil right now or, or in a neighboring country or in Mexico or in Tijuana. No, the greatest war is taking place right here in your mind. In your mind. How many would agree with that? That there are wars that take place in this mind of ours. We, we need to declare... His reign on earth through our personal renewal, starting with our minds. How many know that our minds need to be renewed? Because, you know, the old language for computers was garbage in, garbage out. It's the same thing with our minds. Garbage in, garbage out. And we have to have a a sense of renewing of our minds. This is a great place for you to renew your minds. If you don't come to church... Your mind doesn't get renewed. If you don't read the word of God, your mind doesn't get renewed. If you don't fellowship with people of like mind, your mind doesn't get renewed. It stays in the same gutter that the devil wants you to keep you in. Amen? Fear is one of those places that will prevent us from having complete victory in our lives. All of us, again, including Pastor Rick, have had fear in our lives. In fact, fear, I would, I would say this, fear is, is tantamount to a stronghold in biblical language. And we talked last week about what a, a stronghold is. Listen to this right here. A stronghold is a thought process that has been constructed and allowed to take residence in your heart. Did you hear that? A stronghold is a thought process. Everybody say thought process. That means you thought it up and has been constructed. That means you built it and allowed 
that means you allowed it to take up residence. That means you now gave it a home. You now said, fear, come and live right here near me. That's what we do with fear sometimes. Now, now granted, there's, there's good fears and, and there's bad fears. You know, there, there's time to be fearful of certain things. But I'm talking about a spirit of fear. I'm talking about a, a fear that will overwhelm you. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've all been attacked like that. I've asked um, Mother Betty if she can get ready right now. I've asked her to just share uh, a word or two about uh, battling fear. Um, and so she said that she would uh, be uh, willing to, to share. So come on up, Mother Betty. Give her a big hand right now. Come on up here. Give you the mic. Why don't you share about what the Lord's done with a time or a season where you battled fear? Okay. Morning, church family. As the pastor was speaking about fear, you know, the enemy, he brings fear to each and every one of us at some part of our lives. Um, fear of this and fear of that. Uh, fear of how I'm going to make it. Fear of, of um, how, you know, if I'm going to be a good parent, a good grandparent, or uh, how I'm going to pay my bills. But we know the Lord, he's our provider. Amen. He protects us. Yes. He don't want us to be afraid because he is our provider. He's our everything. And I know uh, there's been times, especially this year, when I was so ill with my back, in and out of the hospital, and the pain. Every day I was afraid of that pain. And um, But the Lord, he healed me October the, the October the 26th of this year. Amen. So Amen. Amen. Uh, this time of year, uh, a lot of people, they're, you know, they're lonely and they're fearful. I'm, you know, I don't have the money to um, buy gifts. Uh, I'm going to be alone. But, you know, uh, it's not even about that. It, you know, when God uh, bless us to see another Christmas, to see, uh, just see another day. Amen. Able to come to the house of the Lord to dress our cl- ourselves, to feed ourselves. That is a blessing. Yes, yes. You know, uh, yes. December, first, uh, second day of December, and it's going to be two years, the 27th of this month, that my beloved husband took his flight to heaven. And you know, the Lord let me know, I don't have to be afraid. I am not alone. Yeah. Amen. So yes. I'm not alone. Yes. He goes before me. Yes. He will never, ever leave me. Amen. So I, I have peace in my spirit. Amen. I miss my husband every day. Yeah. But God is letting me know, the Holy Spirit, let me know in my home. You know, that I lock my doors at night and I pray. And I said, Lord, let the angel encamp around my home. Keep me safe. Yes. I am not alone. I don't have to be afraid. Yes. Because God is with me. Amen. Ever, ever. ever. Amen. Amen. He does bring fear. But God, he does not want us to be afraid. He wants us to trust him. Yes. Word mm-hmm. completely yes. because he is faithful. He is faithful. Yes. If he said it, he will do, do it. it. Because Amen. He is not a man that Amen. Yes. Amen. How y'all pray for me during the time of grief? And God is helping me with the grief. I tell you, He says, "Help me with." There's no pain, pain. pain. Amen. He's helping me with the grief to go on with my life because He still has. Nothing for me to do here on earth. And I praise God because I have no fear today. I trust God. Amen. I trust Him. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mother Betty. 
Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Look at that. Look at that. Amen. Give him, give him glory. Give him glory. Amen. That's a testimony right there. That's a testimony. Amen. That's a testimony. Why, why should we hold back when God does something amazing in our life? The, the world is out there shouting and screaming when, when, when the Raiders score a touchdown. I think they did that about five weeks ago. But, you know, if they can score a touchdown and we can raise our hands and shout and scream, why can't we shout and scream when the Lord does something great in our life? Amen? Amen. Just kidding about the Raiders. All right. There will be a place to repent up here at the, end of the, at the end of the sermon. Amen. All right. Well, let's get on with the rest of our, our, our sermon here. I have a sermon text for you. It's on your outline. If you'll stand with me while I read that, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's the same sermon text that we read out of last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Um, starting in verse 3, it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. I pray your blessing upon this word. Give us hearing, give us understanding, give us anointing, Lord, to our ears, to the words that I speak, Lord, that your message would be declared this morning, that those that need to hear this message today in particular, that you would give them ears to hear, Father. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Everybody say this. Fear is a force. force. It's a force. Just like good is a force. Just like power is a force. Fear is a force. It causes reason and wisdom to go out the window. How many can look back at a situation in your life where you were so consumed with fear that you began to think uh, differently? You, wisdom went out the window and you made a poor choice. All of us, right? All of us. Too many times. In fact, I would agree with that. Many of us too many times have had to, to, to bow down to fear. It can push us to the brink of unbelief even, if that were possible. To unbelief, to the brink of it. To overcome fear, we must know where it starts, the nature of fear. And here's the thing. Fear is not a mental state or a bad attitude, but it's a spirit. Everybody say a spirit. Spirit. A spirit of fear does not come from God. And it should not reside in you as a believer. Now, it will attempt to attack you but the bible says that as a believer you have the holy spirit of god living inside of you nothing can come and possess you okay let's get that straight but you can be oppressed you can be attacked by a spirit of fear okay let's get that straight all of us here if you're human beings can wake up one day with a a a, a spirit of fear attacking you how many have ever woken up to a bad dream a nightmare now, now, those aren't normal. You, you understand that? Those aren't normal for a believer to have. And many times, 
Those are spirits of fear trying to attack you and hold you down because the Lord sees promise in you and the devil sees that too and he wants to keep you oppressed and down so that you don't fulfill the plan that God has for you. You can't live your life in fear. Amen? Fear is only empowered to the degree we yield to its deception. Fear is only empowered to the degree that we yield to its deception. See, fear steals our power by tricking us into believing lies. It does. It tricks us into believing a lie. And then, and then we believe that imaginary lie or that imaginary fear becomes so real, we now make, make act or plans or, or decisions based on that fear. And I'll, I'll give you an example that in, in my life when I was a young person, um, some of you have heard this story before, but uh, I remember playing high school baseball and then we were up in Willits. We were playing a, a game in Willits and I was a pitcher and um, I wasn't pitching that game. But we were tied up, last inning, bases loaded, their best hitters up. And I just knew in the back of my mind, I knew this guy was going to take me deep and hit a home run. I just knew it already. And here I was, I was warming up in the bullpen on the side. Coach brings me in, he says, okay, Mendez, you got a pitch to Cook, who went on to have a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame career. Just kidding. But in my mind, he was. He was going to have a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame career. I did not want to pitch to this guy. But, you know, I'm doing what the coach says, so I come in and, you know, I, I, I take the sign. Those of you that know how to play baseball, I get the sign. And so in my great mind, because I knew this guy was going to hit a home run off of me, that's fear. I already created this thought in my mind. I thought, you know what? I'll try a pickoff move and get the guy at first base. And I thought, that'll be a great plan. And I don't even have to pitch to the guy. We'll get out of the inning. We'll go back in the dugout. We'll score some runs and we'll win the game. So I did exactly that. I went and I threw the ball to where the first baseman should have been. He wasn't there because he was playing way off over here. Because if you know baseball, when the bases are loaded in the last inning, you don't hold the runner. You play off the bag. And where he should have been, but my natural instinct was to throw it right to first base, and the ball went all the way down to right field corner, and the winning run scored, and we had a three-hour bus ride home, <laughs> pretty much. And I could just hear the coaches going, <laughs> I'm going, oh, it was the longest bus ride of my life, okay? But fear caused that to happen. Fear. I imagined something, and now, I look back on it, and I laugh at it. You know, when I drive through Willits, I drive really fast, because I don't like stopping there. I just drive fast through there. But, but fear caused me to, to do something really ridiculous. He still had to hit the ball. He still had, I still had the, the pitch, but I didn't, because I allowed my mind to go down a path that was a lie. And many of you have done something like that, Maybe it wasn't baseball related, but maybe fear caused you to make a rash decision. And you look back at it and say, boy, that was foolish. That was so dumb. I never should have done that. But that's wisdom. Life teaches us wisdom, doesn't it? It gives us wisdom. And we learn from that process. So I want to talk to you this morning real quickly about the children of Israel, how they were promised the promised land. It was a promise to them. But how many of you know the story? They became fearful. 
They imagine things. And in fact, I want to read out of Exodus, but before that, let me just tell you, the, the destination for the children of Israel was promised to them by Almighty God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob said, I will give you this land, this land flowing with milk and honey. But here, they didn't take that promise. They forsook God's promise and embraced their fears. They embraced their fears. See, you all have a choice. You can either embrace God's promises or you can embrace your fears. God will challenge you, and you may be today here being challenged by something, somebody, and you're fearful of that. And God is saying, look, I got your back. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? They placed their faith in their fears, and in doing so, they chose the devil's lies over God's truth. And every single time, that will get you into trouble. Every single time. Let's read... Here in Exodus chapter 3, I believe this is on your outline. Chapter 3 and verse 8, and then as well as uh, chapter 23 and verse 20, I've put them all together here. It says, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Now, if you heard God speaking to you that, uh, speaking that to you, wouldn't that just be so encouraging? Wouldn't that be, you know, God is saying, here, I've prepared a place in American Canyon for you. It's flowing with, with, with grapes and figs and, uh, and, and there's no traffic. That'll be the day in American Canyon. And everything is just great here. Wouldn't that be great? And there's going to be an angel leading the way. You'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. Where, where do I go, Lord? And so this was the promise to the Israelites, to the, the children of Israel. How many know that the, God's promises are good? Yeah. Amen? Amen? But, everybody say but. but. Here's what happens. Fear said, this is what fear said. And I want to read from Numbers chapter 31 because here's the principle. Anytime God gives you a promise or reminds you of his promises... Fear is always going to attack you. Fear will attempt to steal that promise from you. And, and remember back in Genesis, it started there. The serpent said to Eve, did God really say that? That's the one thing he always challenges you with is the word of God. See, God's word is, is truth. It's declared already to you and I. And here Satan is tempting Genesis, or Eve in the book of Genesis saying, did God really say that? Of course he did. She listened to him, became fearful of and all that. But today we're talking about the, the children of the promised land. And here in Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 31, listen to these couple of verses. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. They're bigger than us, is what they were saying. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. See, what they were doing was, what's not said here is, they were comfortable where they were at. They were extremely comfortable, and they did not want to get out of 
a comfort, a position of comfort to go to where God had promised them to be. Amen. How many have been there in a place of comfort where, hey, Lord, it's, it's all right right here. I don't need to move any. I, I don't need. I'm good right here. And the Lord will challenge you. The Lord will challenge you to grow. That's the only way you and I grow when he challenges us. And we got to remember his promises are true. Amen. They're true. Amen. And, and so here the Israelites are inventing all these things of reasons why they can't go into this land. The Lord had promised the land for them. The Lord said the angels would be walking with them, yet fear grabbed them. They believed fear instead of God's word. Listen to that, because you and I will listen to that voice of fear, and that will become a stronghold like it did for these people. It became such a stronghold that they didn't enter into Canaan land into the promised land. Let me share who who and uh, who entered in there. See when they when they chose fears lie over God's truth, they they gave up on that promise to God. They they disowned it. They forfeited it. God had already promised them that land, but they chose the other way. And see, God's a jealous God. If if you turn your back on God, when God says, "Oh yeah, okay, well then." Snatch, I'm going to take that promise away from you and you can't have it anymore. That's, right. that's, that's what God's word says. God is a jealous God. Why? He wants your love. He wants you to reciprocate the love he's given you. See, we, we too, too often times, we give our love to things of this world, uh, to, 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 to sports, to whatever it may be, a hobby, rather than almighty God who created you and gave you purpose in this world. And we, we fail to realize that God wants our devotion. Yes. You know, and again, there's nothing wrong with, with, with uh, loving sports or, or, or giving a place to a hobby. But is it taking the place of God? Is it an idol in your life? Is it taking the place of number one of the Lord? Amen. Amen. So the word of God goes on to say in this same chapter of the book of Numbers that God did not allow those 20 years and older to enter into the promised land. Only, only two people were allowed to enter. Who were they? Caleb and Joshua. They were the only two, because they were the only two that gave a good report back. They were the ones that came back and said, yeah, we can do this. We can overtake these people. We can take this land. We, we, we believe in the promise of God. Everybody else gave a bad report. And, and God said, okay, for that, I will pull the promise back. Everybody 20 years and older will never enter the promised land. Only their descendants were able to. But for 40 years, they had to endure out in the wilderness. It was never God's plan for them to endure 40 years in the wilderness. God wanted them to enter the promised land right away. But instead, because they forfeited truth, he made them wander and wander and wander in the desert. Amen? See, his plan... Was, was the fact that God never planned for them to live in fear. They, they were living in fear in the desert. They, every time, do you remember the story how they would complain? Lord, you, uh, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Moses, we have no clothes. We have no shoes. And although the Bible says their shoes never wore out. They didn't have to go out and buy, you know, new, 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 whatever the brand is, new floor shimes for, for men or, or whatever it may be for Gucci's for women. I don't know. And uh, their shoes never wore out. They had food every day. They had manna. 
It was the same thing every day, but they always had food. God always provides, amen? amen. But they started complaining. They, be, they complained about everything. Lord, manna again? Lord, the same shoes forever? And they just kept complaining. And it was that spirit of rebellion, of fear that was ingrained into them because they didn't believe the promises of God. God never planned for this generation of Israelites to die in the wilderness. Never the plan of God. His plan was to rescue them from the Egyptians, Egyptians, bring them in, escorted by an angel, to a promised land. See, he's brought some of you from the land of Egypt. And the land of Egypt, in terms of the word of God, is synonymous with sin. He's brought you from sin into the promised land. He's given you a new life. A life flowing with milk and honey. A life filled with blessings now for many of you here. Amen? God never planned for you to live in fear today. Amen? But fear has so twisted and perverted the spiritual perception of these people that they imagined that God had tricked them. That's why they would say, Lord, you brought us out here into the desert to die that's how twisted their mind was. They were so twisted, they thought the Lord brought them out there to die. See, you and I can, can invent things in our mind. Well, we, we lost the home. We had to foreclose. Lord, what are you doing? And, 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 I, and, and, I, and I lost this relationship. And Lord, I thought this was going to, you know, I was going to be doing great. And we can start inventing things. We can start inventing things in our mind. How many know this is the greatest tool you have right here, is your mind? <clears throat> I used to be taught when we were kids that we used, and it may have changed now, but we only used about approximately 10% of our mind, of our capability. I don't know what that statistic is. Lately, I haven't researched it, but when I was younger, I was taught that we used only about 10% of our mind, of, of the capabilities. So this mind is powerful. God created something amazing inside each of you. But if we're not careful, that great mind that you have can trick you, can deceive you into believing a lie. Yes. So you see, fear causes us to shrink back into doubt and unbelief. Fear is after your faith. It's after my faith. I've been, I've been talking to someone recently that's been going through fear. Fear, and it's just been an attack. It's a spiritual stronghold. And we've been discussing this, how, how it works. And, and, and it's not that um, that person has, it's not bad nightmares that are causing this person to be fearful. It's a spirit of fear that is attempting to keep this person from growing into the promise, into the potential that God has for them. Fear is after our faith. It wants us to place our faith in fear and not in the promises of God. Yes. That's what the, the children of the, of the Israelites did. The, uh, they, they placed their, their, their faith in fear rather than in the promises of God. See, our faith will always work. But will it work for us or against us? That's the question. Our faith is going to work. But you can either choose to work against you, or you can choose so that it works for you. Amen? God has given each one of us a measure of faith. Every one of us have a different measure of faith, the Bible says. Mother Betty has an amazing amount of faith. How many know that? Yeah. If you've heard her testify like this morning, and she's a living 
testimony to that. Others of you are going, I want that. I want that faith. And you can have that. It's available to all of you. All you need to do is ask the Lord, grant me faith. Give me faith. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to believe. Give me faith every day. And you can have the same thing she has. Amen? See, fear has so twisted and perverted and deceived us today that it can trick us into believing a lie. Fear again is after our faith, but the Bible says that God gives us each a strong measure of faith. We are to be stewards. We are to be managers of this faith. We're to take care of that faith. And that faith will shrink up and shrivel up and die if you don't read the word of God, if you're not in church. And again, you'll, you'll hear me say that frequently. How, how, how does Mother Betty become a strong believer? Because she prays all the time. Because she's here when the doors are open. Because she, she's praying at home. She's reading the Word of God. That's how you become a strong believer. Yes. No other way. There's no shortcuts, people. There's no shortcuts. That's how your faith increases as well. We are to be stewards of this faith. God wants us to use our faith to be conformed to the image of His Son, However, the enemy wants to use that same fear or that same faith against us and conform us to a different image, to his image, an image of fear, an image of of hate, of bitterness, of unforgiveness. Fear, again, is a spirit. It's not from God. Everybody say, "It's it's not from God. It's sent by the enemy to torment your your mind, your souls, to keep you up at night, to make you worry about things that are never going to happen, to make you believe half-truths, half-lies, make you imagine things. As a spiritual force, fear must be confronted spiritually. You you can't get rid of it any other way. you got to confront it spiritually. And so this is what I've been doing with the person I've been helping is, uh, is helping them to confront this spiritually. I'm going to take you to a, a scripture in 2 Timothy. This happens to be my mom's favorite scripture in the Bible, which we've read before. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If you have that scripture, let's read that together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, what breaks that that spiritual stronghold of fear? Love. 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 Love does. See, where where perfect love is, it casts out all fear. Where God lives, there's no fear. Where the devil lives, there's no love. Do you see that? You and I need to be consumed with God's love. When you start feeling and, and catching yourselves becoming fearful, you've got to check yourself and say, where am I, Lord, that I'm not loving people? You see, here's, here's the problem in our world today. You know why we have so much racial issues, so much division politically, so many issues in our, in our world? Because there's no love. There's no love for one another. If people would only love one another, regardless of color... God doesn't see color. He sees a human being. Amen? That's what I love about our church. I see a bunch of human beings in this church today. And I love every one of you. I can say that today. But how many can't say that because they live in 
division and fear. Fear because they don't know somebody, maybe of a, of a different color, a different race. Fear causes that. And that comes from the enemy. And the only way to defeat that is through love. Love on one another. Amen? It's not, it's not easy sometimes. How many know it's not easy loving the unlovable, right? And, and nudge your, your spouse if that person is that unlovable. I'm just kidding. But you know what? It's not easy loving the unlovable. Sometimes God takes you out of your comfort zone to love someone that's not like you. Yeah. And you love on them. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, you know what? They're just like me. They're just like me. They're no different than me. And God shows you in that instant, they're a human being. They're a human being. They just need love. And that, my friends, today is what sets us free from the spirit of fear, is love. Amen? Fear is a spiritual force. Amen? Fear is a spiritual force that must be dealt with spiritually. And as I close right now, get ready to close, each one of us are called to cast out spirits and deny our flesh. We can't cast out our flesh. How many know you can't cast out your flesh? Your flesh is who you are. And the last few weeks I've been talking about the fleshly, the old man that was buried. Sometimes he'll want to come out. You got to throw dirt on him. You got to throw dirt on him and keep him buried. That old woman, you got to keep her buried because she'll want to come out. Especially last week on Black Friday, right? Trying to get a parking spot, trying to fight for that crock pot or whatever it was you were fighting for at Target. And that old person wants to come on out. And you got to keep that one buried. Because people are going to be like that. They need love in this world. Amen? Amen. One of the things I often think of um, where I work at, I, I often have to go from one building to another. And next door to us are some salespeople. And they're always walking. You, you can just tell their mind is just at work. And, and when, you, when I stop and I say, hey, good morning. How you doing? They don't know how to react. Because it's, it's like a foreign concept. Wait, somebody stopped me and cares how I'm doing? Uh, I think I'm supposed to... Oh, I'm doing fine. They don't know how to react. Yeah. Next time you're walking or when you go to Walmart, just say good morning say, to, that, to that cranky old cash register, that cashier that looks like they don't want to be there. You know who I'm talking about? Just at Walmart. Just tell them, hey, good afternoon. How you doing? How's your day going? God bless you. Thank you. Irregardless of how bad their service was, how bad their attitude was, you just tell them, God bless you. And at this time of the year, Merry Christmas. No no happy holidays. You tell them, Merry Christmas. Amen? Amen. That's what the world needs is love. Love, love. Let me read another scripture to you found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. It says this, Fear is after your love because the enemy knows that love protects the believer from fear. Let me repeat that again. That love, that love protects the believer from fear. What protects you from fear? Love. Love does. God is love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in Him. There is no fear in love. The perfect love of God drives out 
casts out fear. So when you're facing fear, fear of that homework project, whatever it may be, fear of, of buying a house, fear of stepping out in faith and doing something that you're not sure if this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Check yourself. Yeah. Am I loving those around me? Who, where, where's, where's my love tank? Does it need to be filled up? Or am I just being a grouchy old person? You know, if it is, you need to get your love tank filled out and cast that fear out. Yeah. Amen? Perfect love of God drives out or casts out fear. There is no greater protection given to you than when you live in God's love. Are you living in God's love today? Are you going to live in that tomorrow, on Monday, where the rubber hits the road? On Monday, when life gets real, for those of you that work, those of you that are retired as well, it gets real. Not when you're in church, everybody's smiling. How you doing? It's great to see you. Praise God. God is so good. But when it gets real, when you're out tomorrow at work or, or just with your spouse yes, and you have a little disagreement, yes. not an argument, just a disagreement, is your love tank full? Can you still love them and show them love? Wow. It's here that you are hidden and inaccessible to the enemy when you're loving one another. See, when we begin to argue, the enemy's right there with you, encouraging, pushing. Come on, come on, give them some more. Let them have it. Let them go at them. They deserve it. They wronged you, right? We've all felt that. But God is saying, no, I got this. And he puts you behind him. He says, I'm love. I'm here to love you, to encourage you. And when you, when you push God now out and let love, let love come out, What a difference, amen? It casts out fear. It casts out bitterness. It casts out unforgiveness, amen? If you received that this morning, give God a hand clap this morning, amen? Amen.